be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. What is up, Gamer Nation? How's it going? Hey. Uh, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm Steve. I'm here with... Steve. Well, hey, Steve. Hey, we got a podcast for the week to shout out. We're talking about Fortune and Strife this week. Yes, and Fortune and Strife is the newest show from the same people that bring you the Court Games podcast here on the D20 Radio Network. It is a 5th edition Legend of the Five Rings actual play podcast made for the L5R community from the L5R community. So join them every week as their samurai travel the empire trying to find their way through mystery, myth, and family. And you can find that at courtgamespod.com slash L5RFNS, and we'll put the link for that in the show notes. So, me and you ended up having a conversation uh, over the weekend because I got to play, or I got to run Cyberpunk Red for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I had sent you, before that, I'd sent you a TikTok of a guy talking about, um, talking about D&D 5th edition, talking about how the players had all of these stack effects and basically making DMs unprepared for that. We ended up breaking into a conversation after, uh, after our gaming session and talking about it. And I said, well, or you said, actually, why don't we just hold off on this thought and use it as a podcast episode? So here we are. <laughs> yep. So yeah, once again, our after gaming conversation turns into a podcast. Um, yeah, well, like, but the, the guy brought up a valid point, and his point wasn't so much that the system was broken or unbalanced, as I recall, but that there are no tools for DMs to deal with the synergies and the, for lack of a better word, system mastery of the players. And, you know, it, it brings up a lot of interesting points of discussion, I think. Yeah, I really do agree. I know we, we've talked about 5th edition, and neither of us hate 5th edition. I just want to get that out ahead of time. And I'm still playing, and we're still both playing in an active 5th edition game. It's just hard to hard to vouch for the game when there's so much wrong with it sometimes. Yeah, well... If that makes a lot of sense. I think what it is is that, for lack of a better way to say it, the game is very sensitive to system mastery. And not even so much system mastery, but player experience. Yeah, I could agree with that. I could also agree with I really don't think it, and we can get into this player experience. I don't even think it's necessarily that player experience. I think it's more and we know somebody who's like this. It's it's more along the lines of the system's built towards people who want to for better or worse get the absolute most out of it. And it's built in a way that you're going to sit and you're going to compare spells and you're going to 
look at synergies and you're going to compare all of this before you even build your character. You know, you're it's built for min-maxing in just every way, pretty much. And I don't think you even need to be a super experienced player to have that trigger in your mind. That's fair. But I think, and, and this, though, I think goes to the point that, that the individual on the TikTok, and forgive me for not remembering the username, but in any case, their, their point was that really to be able to, to balance encounters and make them, how do you want to say, challenging on a regular basis, the DM not only needs to know, you know, all the monsters, they have to know how to play every single class in the game as well as their players do. And let's be honest, that's a daunting task. Yeah. Um, the TikToker that we've been referring to is Flippant Moniker. I just wanted to shout that out. Okay, yeah. I, you sent me the link. I, I actually don't use TikTok personally. But, yeah, I get sent them every now and then. I know. I, the only reason I sent it to you is because I'm like, this is a conversation me and Steve could have. Oh, very much. <laughs> I really feel and I, I I'm on I'm on par with them that the tool set that's being provided to the DM. So as a new player as a new player, depending on your personality, you can you can fall into that broken character mentality really quickly. But but that being said, as a DM, it's really hard to make a broken combat encounter with players that are like that whether it be experienced players or even new players that are just in that mindset, because the book doesn't give you the tools to do so. The challenge rating is wrong in a lot of ways because it gives players the tools to make, you know, these ridiculously broken characters, but it doesn't give the DM the tools to answer that. And, it, you know, we talked about power spirals probably, well not counting actual play episodes, but a couple episodes ago. And that's a way that power spirals get out of hand, is that, you know, you have this situation where players are players are using the tools at their, expo at, at their disposal, and the DMs don't have the tools to answer in kind. You know, if, if you're telling me it should be a challenge rating, let's say, 7, I should be able to run a challenge rating 7 encounter, but... I shouldn't have to run a challenge rating 10 or more. Yeah. Well, but, and see, this is where, you know, and I brought this point up briefly when we were talking the other night. I, I don't think, I don't think it's the right thing to do to balance a game with the, oh, how do I want to say this? To balance it with the idea that your players have a given amount of system mastery or knowledge of the game. because. And again, this is this is where, you know, Dungeons and Dragons being the world's most popular role-playing game, it's going to attract a lot of new people. And if you balance the game around how people who have been playing it for years would play it, it's not going to be the same experience for brand new people. And so I think in some ways what happens with Dungeons and Dragons is that the books are written from the perspective of someone who who maybe are, are written for someone who hasn't necessarily played it for years, but when you turn a bunch of people loose who have been playing other versions of Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games for, you know, who knows how long, suddenly it becomes a whole different animal. Oh, yeah. It, 
I completely agree with you that having experience in role-playing games makes Dungeons and Dragons a different beast entirely. And I completely agree that it's not it's not that friendly to new players. It is and it isn't. It is that it's accessible. It's not that it is actually friendly to new players because we've both seen at the table new players struggle with not just the game but basic core proponents of the game. The action economy is one of the most basic things in the game and it's so confusing to new players a lot of time especially when you start getting up into higher levels and if you have experienced players at the table and new players at the table experienced players don't necessarily want to start at level one because an experienced player is going to be bored because they know what the game can be higher levels mm -hmm. and a new player is not going to know what to do at a higher level really they're going to be confused by either the action economy or what they can do, what their character can't do, you know, it, it gets to be this weird mess, essentially. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it, it's a strange thing, really, because it, it, and I guess maybe this is one of the reasons where I found myself in a lot of the games I've bought recently, and I, and I hadn't actually thought about this until I was, I was thinking about it today, but I think the last, call it five games, four or five games I've bought, are all levelless. Yeah, I I completely understand that. I'm a uh I, no no the last the last couple games that I've bought are levelless. Uh, unless I haven't dug into it yet. Unless Twilight Two Thousand has a level system, the last couple games that I bought are levelless. Mm -hmm. And I've been buying personally. I've been buying a lot more lighter games. Mm -hmm. Like Dungeons and Dragons is a it, it's it's a heavy game. There's a lot of stuff to keep track of, and there's a lot of stuff that you're just going to ignore. But it's still a heavy game. And it's a lot to keep track in my mind, and I've gotten to this point where stuff like stuff like Cyberpunk Red, right? Cyberpunk Red's a very deep, rich game, but I don't consider it heavy. You know what I'm saying? To a point. I, I've had that specific discussion with people between either Red or 2020 versus 5th edition D&D &D, as far as which one's crunchier or heavier and yeah I don't know how to how to define it because in some ways there are elements of red uh, of cyberpunk either version that are a little crunchier but there's not nearly as many fiddly little conditions and this thing and that thing and the action economy is much much simpler you know so it's I, I think one of the biggest things that Cyberpunk does that D&D didn't do is they change the amount of time that their rounds take. Because a D&D round takes six seconds, and that's supposed to be what it is in real time, they felt the need to incorporate all these things that you can do in that six seconds. But Cyberpunk lays it out really cut and dry. You have three seconds, you can move and do another thing, and that is it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of, in combat, that's one of the biggest things that Cyberpunk does that makes a big difference. And also, just, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the challenge in especially Red comes from, you have a target, hit the target. Did you hit the target? No? Alright, well, what happens? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas D&D &D has a lot of, okay, let me put it this way, skills-wise, in Cyberpunk Red, 
you're adding two numbers plus your dice at absolute most. And if you set up your character sheet beforehand, you're adding one number plus your dice roll. Yep. In D&D, you might be adding... Well, you're going to... Uh, all right, so I roll this, but you're helping me, so I roll it with advantage. Also, you cast Bless on me, so now I get an extra D4, and I have my proficiency bonus, plus... You know what I mean? Like, the things are starting to get where it's like you're starting to add everything together going, uh, what is with all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. It Well, like you said, you're you're adding the bless in. There's this thing, there's that thing, there's, you know, and oh, wait, no, bless doesn't apply to this. It only applies to that. And, and like, it's just there's so many just these these little things. And I'm not saying that those things are bad because, you know, they do add a way for this character or that character to add a lot to the encounter. Right. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing in any way. I'm not saying that having characters who who can buff other characters is a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm getting at is that a game that's being sold aimed towards new players sure has a lot of complexity that isn't explained very well a lot of the time. Yeah. I think the other thing the other thing that that compounds that issue is that so many of of those of us and I'll throw myself into this that have played D&D through the years or other games we just sort of what do you want to say kind of backdoor memorize things and don't yeah and, and so we're doing it but we aren't even really aware we're doing it and so when you're trying to to teach a new person it's very hard to show them those things because it's not a conscious action on your part. Right. It's, it's all the little, you know, what is the action economy for me was that way. So when I see a new player sort of struggle with that, I'm like, well, uh, it's been a long time since I had to think about that, but yeah, you're right. Well, so yeah, the, that one in particular, I mean, that's the one we've seen cause a lot of confusion at the table. And I think some of that also is the, the verbiage that they use in that yeah. there is an attack and there is an attack action. Right. And, and an attack is part of the attack action or can be, but it isn't always, you know, it, it really, where it, it, it starts throwing people is with it, like smite spells and things like that. And it, it, it can really screw with the head of someone who doesn't understand the the as written verbiage and is just picking it up at the table yeah i completely agree with that or you know hasn't again yeah just brand new characters who just or brand new players who just don't understand because it is confusing verbiage it is it is very much uh it's a mess like i and i don't even know i don't even know how you fix it like i i've sat down and been like how do i fix this how do i you know how would i make this verbiage different well i would have to throw the whole system out the window and rework it completely well is basically where i'm at i think it's it's an issue of you know how do you unlearn everything so you can see it the same way that someone who doesn't know all the stuff you know right i've run into that myself with D&D especially where it's like um somebody'll ask something and I'll be like, uh, and it, I have to genuinely think because 
it's not even it's not even something that like I have to think about how it works. It's like when somebody asks you something about your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody somebody asks you about what you do every day and and it's this minor minuscule thing like like how you log in in the morning and your brain just doesn't even like it just doesn't register anymore and you just have to actually stop and break it down. And then, you know, you got to be really careful about it because some people can get upset because I've done this. I've tried breaking things down. I've gone too granular and people get really upset because, well, it comes across like I'm trying to be ignorant and I'm not. I'm just, for myself, this is how I have to break this down. Yeah, yeah. No, and I know exactly what you're saying. And again, it's just, I think fifth edition, and I, I've complained about this before, and me and you had a little bit of a discussion on this. I think part of the problem with 5th edition, though, and, and this is another issue really completely separate from that. Speaking on new players, all right, if I go out and I buy Cyberpunk Red, I don't need any other books, and I have all of the rules, right? Right. If I go out and I want to be a DM, and I buy the Dungeons Master's Guide, I then also have to buy the Player Handbook in order to have most of the rules. Right. I then have to buy all of these other splat books to have all of the rules. Let's not forget the monster manual. Right, and the monster manual as well, which doesn't really have rules in it, but does have attacks and, and creatures and things. Right. Yeah, it has the, the, the monsters. Right. But what I'm getting at is, in 4th edition, and I know it got updated and changed and all that, 4th edition, say what you will about it, there was a book called a rules compendium. It was all of the rules. So you could ideally buy the D Dungeon Master Guide and the rules compendium, and that would be everything you needed to know. In 5th edition, they have no interest, it seems like, in putting that out. Or if it exists, I've never seen it in a store, so that's why I assume it just doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm not aware of it existing. Yeah, and, and that says to me that, you know, I understand money is to be made where there's money to be made, but that says to me that they have no interest in, in actually helping new DMs make their life easier and make understanding the game easier. They're more interested in, it's a more player-focused game than it is a DM-focused game. And that's not fair, that's not fair to the people that want to run games. That's, you know, just straight up. I knew people that didn't like playing, but loved storytelling, and they'd much rather run a game than they would play in a game. Yeah, now I wonder, I've, I've never bothered to, to download it. I wonder if you could use the SRD that way. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where it's, it's just the thought that I have is that, like, as a new DM, you're sort of... Let's just hope you don't have a player, a, a group of experienced players to play against because, or play with, because if they're experienced, they're probably just going to like, and I don't mean this to discourage anybody, but if your players are experienced, they definitely, they more than likely know more about the game than, than you can really absorb from just the core books. Yeah. And... And that's not me saying anything to discourage, you know, we've had a full episode about, no, just go out there and DM, don't be afraid. And you don't need to be afraid of that, but in D&D, &D, it's just something to be cautious of and something to be aware of. Something to know that there is a possibility that your players are going to show up at the table with these characters that are just going to synergize in such a way 
that it is absolutely going to destroy your campaign, or at least your combats, I should yeah, say. Your Not necessarily the full com- campaign, but your, your encounters are going to be rough for a while until you get everything adjusted in the right way. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair to new DMs. I really don't. I've always sort of felt that way, is that, like, they do a good job with the pre-written modules, but again, players are showing up to pre-written modules with stuff that's just just walks all over it. Well, to example what you just said, that, uh, I don't know, what, it was a month or two ago where we did that thing with the one section of uh, Curse of Strahd. Yeah, and we just walked all over that. Right, and now the character I was playing, if you'd have totaled up the damage I did in the encounter, it probably was pushing probably 50 to 70 points around combined with one spell slot. And I wasn't doing quite that much damage, but I was doing a little bit to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, it might have been close to that till you factored in how many how many creatures and everything was getting hit, but... Yeah. Well, that was the thing, is, is we were... It was because of AoE effects, but... Right. But, yeah, I popped... I was playing a, a Cleric Rogue, I believe, and so I popped the Spirit Guardian spell, which coincided to be roughly the same size as the room we were in, and was then able to, you know, repeatedly sneak attack. Right. And I, um, I was just popping just evocation wizard spells. Yeah. Just higher level evocation spells. And just acid splash and meteor strike and all those stupid, big, dumb AOE spells. Yep. You know, whatever. It just... It, yeah. And the, the DM at the time was like, wow, you guys really ran through that. Yeah. We weren't really prepped for it, but we did just sort of happen to synergize in this way. And that's a good thing and a bad thing for D&D. It's a good thing that, like, yeah, you can get a feel for this, and it can feel really good as a player, but as a DM, and I've been on the other side of that, as a dungeon master, you you sit there and go, that was supposed to be, that was supposed to be a pretty challenging combat, and y'all just blew right through it. And I think they have added some things to 5th edition to try and and mitigate that with the legendary resistances and legendary actions, but that's only for, so to speak, boss-level encounters, typically. Well, it's only for what you would refer to as a legendary creature. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, there's a lot of things, like, I'm sorry, but if I was playing an evocation wizard... A goblin horde would not be terrifying, and it should be. It really, really should be. Yeah. Like, a, a horde of probably 10, 15 goblins? That should be scary, but I look at it and go, eh. Yeah, because you know, uh, even if they save, my fireball is going to kill them. Right, yeah. And to a certain point, I understand that, but at the same point, to me, that also creates an imbalance in the world because why are there any goblins left? Because there are clearly wizards capable of just wipe coming and wiping them out. So why wouldn't, you know, good King so-and-so just say, Oh, wizard Sam here, take this squad of soldiers and go get rid of all the goblins. Right. And like, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm so like, I'm so at this point where I feel like, 5th edition, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, when they do eventually come out with a 6th edition, 
I do hope that a lot of these criticisms are raised, but I really don't think they will be because it's this juggernaut that it it's almost universally loved. Like, I don't want to say universally loved, but it's it's this juggernaut that everybody is like, yeah, it's really it's really well done until you start nitpicking it, and then it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's weird because like you said, I, I like to play it sometime. I couldn't play it as my only game. It, it yeah it doesn't I, work for me but i'm also not a big fantasy person i think for me to run it at this point i would probably consider dark running dark sun if they brought out some new material to update that to fifth edition other than that i think the only thing i would probably run in it is eberron and that is only because the core tenant of eberron is kind of baked into the D system that being yeah. that that magic can be treated as a science, and I don't know of any other game systems off the top of my head other than, say, perhaps Pathfinder, where that's true, and I'm not converting it to Pathfinder just because I don't want to play D&D. No, and, and yeah, it, it, it's just this fact of, I hope that if they do, if they do come out with a 6th edition, like, I hope 5th edition doesn't go on forever. And when they do come out with a 6th edition, these complaints are levied against it. These, uh, like, all the little nitpicks, because 5th edition is a really great system. It really is. But there's a lot of nitpicks, and there's a lot of things you can really point to and go, this makes it a really tough system for new players, or this is that. Or I hope that when there is a 6th edition, that they do look at everything that's been levied against 5th edition and go, Oh, yeah, we do need to work on this and we do need to work on that and you know, we we do have to try and fix the action economy or we have to try and reword it in some way. And I'm not saying such a massive jump that was 3.5 to 4 because that was a big step in the wrong direction in a lot of ways. And I know a lot of people that like 4th edition, but personally I really think 4th edition was a step in the very wrong direction. It was taking a game that was a role-playing game and turned it into a, a more miniatures game than it already was. Yeah, fourth to me felt, like you said, miniatures, almost like a tabletop MMO. Yeah, I, that was, I think, their goal with it, was they were trying to make it more like a tabletop MMO, and it just missed the mark completely, and I, I'm not going to sit here and rag on fourth edition, because there are things that fourth edition did that I really like. There are things that fourth edition did that I really didn't like. You know, combat combat became really trivial, <laughs> and fourth edition. But fourth edition did set up some of the newer things that I actually enjoy. So yeah, it it did bring a lot of a lot of innovations through it. I I'm not a fan of fourth edition, but that's neither here nor there at this point. I'm not a fan of fourth edition either. I just can't. I I actually went back and read a little bit of fourth edition recently, just just for my own edification, and I was like. You know, I can't really hate this because there's stuff here that they rolled into 5th edition that I really like. Mm -hmm. And and that's what that's what I realized I'm like I give 4th I I give 4th edition a lot of crap, but there's a lot of stuff there that they rolled into 5th edition that I would I would say I really enjoy this or I like this system and it started in 4th edition and and it's like, well, okay, but it was a misstep to do this, you know, to do things the way they did though. But, again, that's here nor there. 
I think it's it's more of a problem with the game currently because it's it, it is like I said it is rough as a I've had people question I, I had a friend of mine ask me the other night literally the other night I went to pick up my girlfriend after after playing Cyberpunk Red with you mm-hmm. and I went over to a friend's house who is interested in playing RPGs but he never has the time you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I was picking my girlfriend up from hanging out with his wife and um he said to me, he's like, I want to play D&D. What do I need? And I said, well, what side of D&D do you want to play? And he goes, I want to be a DM. I'm like, well, you're going to need a player handbook. You're going to need a D- You're going to need a DMG. You're going to need a character, a monster manual. And I said, and then there's all the other stuff. I said, I would recommend, you know, uh, Volos. Um, Volos, Xanathars. Xanathars, Tasha's now. Uh, Kynan's is a really good book, but it's all high-level monsters. Yeah, but it's still a book to have. It's for... got a lot of great lore in it, though. Yeah, it's still a book to have for a for a new DM. And he's like, "Well, how much is that going to cost?" And I sat down and calculated it out. I'm like, "Well, you're at 150 for the core th- core three, and then you're at 150 for the what I call random stuff books, which is your Volos, Xanathars." And Tasha's, so there you're at three hundred dollars, and then say you add Mordenkainen, say you add, say you add maybe uh, uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal. There's another hundred dollars there, so now you're at four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Just to just to DM for the first time, because I don't recommend DMing without having or having access to those books. I honestly think you could skip the DMG at least at first. Yeah, honestly. So then, all right, but we're still talking about... That's only 50 bucks out. Yeah, you're still talking about $350. It's it's prohibitively expensive, and as a DM, to not have the tools and not have the tools explained to you, because I, I have read the DMing tips in the DMG. It doesn't talk anything about the fact that your players are going to have synergies that are just ridiculous. Right. And I think that's where if you you listen to anyone who's who's played and run the game for any amount of time, they all just kind of go by feel like they know this will this will be a challenge. You know, they they can't really quantify that that this thing is going to be whatever, but they just kind of know. Yeah, I that really goes to that goes to just throw the challenge rating system out the window and look at the biggest, baddest things you can. But that's really hard to explain to... It's really hard to explain to a new DM that doesn't have any experience in the system. It doesn't have any experience with RPGs ever. Is to be like, well, um, how do you explain to somebody what the difference between an owlbear and a bugbear is? Like, look at their hit points. Well, that doesn't even really matter in most cases, because if they can't do damage, but they're they're a sponge, that's no fun to fight against. There's a couple things in that DMG that are in the monster manual that are just like that. Yeah, there's big old sacks of hit points. Yeah, and, and they're no fun, because as a DM, you want to, you know, as a DM, you do get the fun in combat of running combat. You get the fun of actually, like, that's, I, I not necessarily... That's why I encourage new DMs to not be afraid to kill characters. <laughs> because new DMs get so terrified of, I'm afraid I'm going to kill that character. And I go, kill him. What's it? What, what's it? It took him 
10 minutes to make that character or whoever 10 minutes to make that character they can take 10 minutes and make another one yeah and like i get emotional connection and i've played like but if you're if you're a new dm and you're afraid about killing a player character off if they're brand new characters really do not be afraid to kill that character off because this is just this is just the fact is that they can take that backstory and add it to another character. Yeah. You can you can do things where if you have an emotional attachment to this character and it's only first level, unless you've been playing first level for maybe three years, you know, which would be miserable. But well, for you and I, yes. Yeah, for for most people. But what I'm getting at is that like if you just rolled new characters and you're sitting down for your first combat and you go a little hard on it. That's okay. If you go a little hard on your second combat and you accidentally kill a character, hey, now you know, don't go that hard. Take that back off a little bit. But it's hard to quantify what backing off or going hard is because the challenge rating system just doesn't work. Well, but not only that, and I, I don't even know, and I'm guessing this can happen probably in pretty much any game because it's the nature of random number generation and the, and the dice. You know, we were both there. We um, were in a, what was it, a Princess of the Apocalypse game that uh, someone was running. And the very first encounter of the game, we, you know, this is, we made up characters. We're just starting the game. One character took a crit and we wiped. Very first encounter. So we're looking at each other and somebody went, well, how about we just try it again? Because, like, who wants to, okay, what do we do now? You know what I mean? So. We did. We just literally rewound things, started the encounter over again, and we didn't get very deep into it. It wasn't like we made any different tactical decisions per se. You know, there wasn't meta knowledge involved. We took the same characters, the same DM, the same encounter, and we steamrolled it. And that goes back to the dice system, I think. I think D&D's D20 dice system, I don't really don't know. I, I, I am so... I've gotten so many games that don't use a D20 that it's hard to express why I don't like the D20 dice system at this point. A D20 just feels swingier, even than a D100 system, and I don't know why that is. I think it's the percentage to hit, because, or percentage to do the thing. Because in my mind, like, a D100, D100, you know what your number is. Say it's a, say you're a 30. All right, well, you have 30% chance to get that correct. Mm -hmm. And a D20 system, you need a hit of 15 with all these modifiers. Well, now you're talking about, it, I don't even know what the numbers would be. Like, I don't even want to think about doing that math right now. But it's, it's just how it is. It's just like, I don't want to look at this math as far as what the percentage, like, 15 on a D20 should be like 95%, but with modifiers, that changes everything and makes it less. Well, yeah, there's a concept that I understand was part of the design for 5th edition that they call bounded accuracy. And I think it essentially, it, in layman's terms, I think it effectively capped DC for anything at 30 yeah, I remember there's a chart in the books that's like, this is impossible. And I'm like, it's not, though, but okay. Yeah, and, and it that's getting into 
really hardcore game design philosophy, which is, is something that can be really fun to talk about, but I don't think it's not what we're here to do tonight. <laughs> no, it's not what we're here to be about. But what we are here to talk about is we're here to just sort of gripe about how, I guess that's the way to put it, gripe about how just it really feels like, I don't know, it really feels like sometimes that D&D is not, I don't, it's an old game, I guess, is the way to put it. I've talked about how Call of Cthulhu feels like an old game, and D&D, for as much innovation and new stuff as they're pumping into it, feels like the same old game. It, and not, sometimes not in a good way. No, I, I agree with you in a lot of ways, and, and, and in much the same way as Call of Cthulhu, because there is a legacy there that either rightly or wrongly, they feel like they have to carry on. And, I don't have a problem with that, and there is that legacy, but it, it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like the more I play D&D 5th edition, the more I go, man, this was done better. Well, it wasn't really done better, but it was more entertaining in 2nd edition because it was more deadly, or it was more of this, or, you know, I, I, I think the more I play 5th edition, the more I'm like, here's how I put it. Here's how I would put it. It's like an everything bagel. It's good, and it is an everything bagel. But if I want something a little bit sweeter, I don't want an everything bagel. Or if I want something a little more savory, I don't want an everything bagel. No, I get exactly what you're saying, and that actually makes a lot of sense. I think it, because they're trying to capitalize on their market position, they're trying to make it the game for everyone, and in trying to make it the game for everyone they're not necessarily hitting the mark for anyone in particular. Right. There are people that they're hitting the mark for, but it just, over time, I, I think over time, you will get to this point where you get tired of it. It's, it's all I've had is this, and I'm tired of this. And I think a lot of people, rather than branching out and exploring their own personal affectation towards a part of the game, they just sort of, fall out of RPGs in general. That's probably true. I mean, that's, oh, but that's kind of, you know, where we, where you and I found ourselves, and it's part of the reason we started the podcast, was because, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who just aren't aware that all these other games are out there. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's not just that, but I think it's, I think there's some people that are afraid to be like, I like the really hard fantasy bits of Dungeons & Dragons. Where am I going to find, like, not that I can't find that, but I don't know that I'll find it like I find it in D&D, but there are a ton of other games that have really hard fantasy, you know? Yeah. There's there's games that get the social interactions right, just like D&D does. I think you see that more, you get more of, more of the social interaction stuff in, in rules light games. I find that better. It, it was funny. Um, I ran a one-page RPG, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to say what the one-page RPG was because we run a PG-13 show. I guess I could say it once. Well, but I bleep, <laughs> it's Dracula. Yeah, if you look it up as a 200-word RPG and you look up uh, bleep, it's Dracula, you'll find it. And it was so weird because it's only got 200 words, but my players instantly, like, we're playing the game, and it, it's just this fun, silly game, but they're all coming up, they all have characters, and they all have their own voice, and they're all, you know, they all got their swagger at the table, and, 
and this one acts like this and that one acts like that and that one's shy and meek but this one's bold and brash and it just says something about our role playing that that I love so much is is the you know when we played when we played cyberpunk you were playing that boosty collins type character that's so fun that's so fun because he had this swagger and then you had you had our other character who's like trying to match your swagger but doing it badly you know like <laughs> and and you have the third guy who's just like why yes i am but who is it to you like and and it's just great because that's what i love about rpgs is just how people you know people who aren't actors per se fall into these like acting roles right you know and and i just it's what makes me love rpgs it's it, and and D does it i mean you can have a lot of fun in D, &D but i think you know what the problem is is that people get a lot of the same thing over and over and over again and they get really tired of it fast and then they just fall out they're like well yeah i guess I'm, i i guess i don't like rpgs as much as i thought i did well, maybe you just don't like D&D. &D. Maybe you do actually like RPGs, but you don't like D&D. &D. Or maybe you, maybe there's something here that you're getting but not getting enough of. Or you don't like the way the people you're playing D&D &D with play D&D. &D. Right. It, that's all completely possible. You know, if, I, if you don't like the people you're playing with, or you don't like the way they're playing, it is completely possible to be like, yeah, this has ruined the game for me for a while. I'll be honest, that's why I fell out of 4th edition. That's why I fell out of 4th edition completely, because the people I was playing with only wanted to do encounters. That doesn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. I just I just can't. I, I, like, I need something more than encounters out of my D&D. And maybe you don't. Maybe that's what you really want. You know, maybe you do really just want combat. Well, that's fine. There's people that want to play that way. And there's games that facilitate that better than... Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think with the right people, you can, you can get anything out of D&D &D if the whole table is all striving for the same thing or compatible things. But the system, in an effort to include everything, doesn't necessarily reinforce any one thing. Right, right. Again, it goes back to the everything bagel yeah the everything bagel this is great but uh i want that more than this or i want a more than you know i don't know i i, I really like D, D, and i like the fact that it brings people together but i have nitpicks with the game and i i don't know that they're even nitpicks i have genuine complaints with the game that i've levied and said to people and and had genuine conversations with people and, and i don't mean to i don't mean to be like yeah, I've turned people away, but I've had conversations with people that were like, you know what, you're right, and that sort of makes me not want to play this anymore and play other things. And it's like, great, let's play other things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, look, I, from where I'm sitting, looking at my, my stack of stuff, counting D&D, &D, I think I've got books for six systems within arm's reach of, of where I'm sitting right now. Seven, maybe, without counting, because I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I came to I came to the conclusion the other day, and and I know you've been pay, playing a lot longer than me, but I'm 27. I've been playing D and D for 15 years. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a long time to play one game, and it's just gotten to this point where I'm like, 
Yeah, no, I think, I think, and not saying anything about D&D, but if I never played it again, I probably wouldn't be super, super upset. I'd be maybe sad if a new edition came out and I wasn't allowed to play it, but if a new edition never came out, say 5th edition was the final edition of D&D, and I never touched the game again, I would probably be like, eh, it's 5th edition. No, I think that's fair. I, I, I kind of feel that way in a lot of ways that, well, like I said, you know, if I ever to run anything in, in 5th edition again, other than, you know, 5th edition D&D, um, other than maybe an occasional one-shot or something, it would probably be, again, if they were to come out with Dark Sun, maybe. Uh, Dark Sun or Eberron. And, and Eberron, and like I said, it's it's not that I want to run Eberron in D&D, other than it's already all built there, but that the core tenet behind the design of it is not really present in most other systems I would consider to run it with. And while other people have successfully run it in other systems, and I sounds like they're having a blast with it, in my head, there's a disconnect because the core thing that the whole concept of the world was built off when Keith started writing it isn't there. Right. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. Is that, that Dark Sun interests me, Eberron interests me, and that's a... Well, there's a couple other things, but Dark Sun interests me and Eberron interests me, and, and what's not getting published in... D&D now is the interesting stuff. I was so shocked when Eberron came out. Mm-hmm. And, and you know this, I was like Eberron? What? Why? Why? Like, because I thought Eberron was dead. Like, because it hadn't been acknowledged and it hadn't been acknowledged and I was like, well, I guess you know, and then we, we coming out with, we're coming out with Ravenloft stories and we're coming out with Strahd which is a Ravenloft story and we're coming out with more Forgotten Realms stuff, and more of this, and more of that, and everything that isn't the weird side of D&D. And sort of the weird side from D&D comes back from that, back when they had the OGL. Somewhat, yeah. Well, I mean, Ravenloft, well, Dark Sun, Dark Sun was second edition, although it was at the end of second edition. You know, Eberron was, was three or three, five, I'm not sure. Uh, then they used it a lot in fourth, but I think they brought Dark Sun back in fourth edition as well. But yeah, it I'm kind of with you though. I, I for me I kind of want the off the beaten path stuff and even a lot of the third party OGL settings that are out there are still primarily just another I don't want to say generic because that's not fair, but they're just another take on a classic high fantasy realm. Yeah. And that doesn't particularly interest me at this point. Not saying it's bad. It just, you know, I've had that bagel. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think we've complained about Dungeons and Dragons long enough. Yes. You want to get into Game of the Week? Game of the Week! (laughs) Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Oh, man. Hey, uh, I got one. You got one? I got one. You want to go? Or I got one? Go ahead and go. All right, I have <laughs> I have Zyborg Commando Resurrection Overdrive. Yeah, Z-Y-B-O-R-G, and then Commando Resurrection Overdrive. Okay. Are you looking at this? I have, I have just called it up. I have not got it open yet. The art is neat. 
Yeah, I am. The drive-through pitch is ZCRO is cyberpunk starship troopers meeting Return of the Living, Living Dead while chewing a piece of bubblegum crisis and rocking out to the soundtrack by the Misfits. It's a war of red and bloody horrors with, sci- with Hollywood-style tactics and combat, but it's generally about trust, shadows, torments, and decay of memory and loss of humanity, and the struggles against the never-ending hunger. This seems awesome. Oh, man, this look pretty... looks so cool. I, um, I was looking through stuff on drive-thru. We talked about a game earlier, and I didn't pick it because I actually looked at it and was like, eh. But I found this, and this is 8 bucks, and, and it has my attention at the moment, and I actually think I might end up picking it up by this weekend. This looks really cool. It it does. It it just looks again. It's a weird take on something, which, like you said, is it an attraction to both of us? Yeah, and it 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 hits my like. I, I'm sorry, but I love '80s sci-fi and like the weird like. I love that like the pitch being Starship Trooper meeting Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, you you got me with that one. Yeah, it just looks. It just looks fun. It yeah. looks different, like something you've never done before. Yeah, like something you've never wanted to, like, not that you never wanted to, but you never thought you would get to play with. Yeah. And like, then okay, there's the, if you scroll down, there's the, the I'm assuming it's an illustration out of the book of the giant robo-scorpion. Yeah, with the dude with the gun that's just sort of like shooting sideways and running away. Yeah, and, and by the way, we're talking about, this is like a robo-scorpion like on the scale of a school bus. Yeah. It, it's great. It it looks I can't wait. I'm going to get it get my hands on this. I'm definitely going to run at least a one shot of this because it looks like it's it's going to be really good for that. Yeah. Um I love the names of the call signs for the the commandos that's under you know <laughs> D10X skill and combat system. Wonder what that means. I don't know. It says other unique systems on the, the little sidebar. Yeah. But yeah, this is something to add to your like check it out list. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can understand it not being for everyone. I'm not for everyone. So <laughs> No, that does. That looks that just looks fun. Like, yeah. like you said, you at got? least for one shot. Yeah. Well Yeah, like a really good one shot. I, I was also bouncing around drive through and I ran across a title that I went, Okay, I have to look at that. And again, this is probably something only for a one-shot or maybe that occasional, you know, oh, let's play something different this week. And so you have this thing that, that you resurrect every now and then. So what I found is a game called Rock Opera 79. You have my attention. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> the blurb. Now, this is, this is, again, this is a PDF. It's seven bucks on drive through. Um... It says, in the distant future of 1979, can you overthrow the evil discoocracy and restore rock's right to rule? It says, imagine your favorite rock band of all time. Better yet, a supergroup with stars from legendary acts that never had the chance to jam together in real life. Now imagine you and your friends are in that band. And just, you know, the, the miss, just, yeah. Like, you, you want to see what it might have been like if Frank Zappa and Ted Nugent ever played together? Here's your game. And I know that That's... reference may go over some people's heads, but, you know, hey. 
That sounds neat, too. That sounds like a lot of fun to get on a table. And it doesn't say much about the rule system, but the last line of it just made me chuckle because it says all you need are a bunch of standard dice of the same size and weight. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm guessing it's a D6-based system. Well, that rules you out because you have... You have a bunch of the same dice, but all of different sizes and weights. No, I still have, I have a bunch of standard D6s. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> you just have a ton of other stuff. Oh, I have a mismatch. I am not one of those people who is obsessed with dice sets. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have my sets. They have to be nice, but I like to have more than none. Like, I, I'm, I'm one of those people where like the internet started referring to us as dice goblins. And I completely understand that because I like clicky clacky math rocks because mm-hmm. they make click clack noises. And I like having more and more and more. And my girlfriend actually had to yell at me the other day because I'm like, I'm ordering more dice. She's like, no, you are not. Oh, geez. This game literally just came out like this week. Oh, wow. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, like technically Friday. Friday. It's, yeah. It's currently Monday evening in actual, like, as we record time. Yeah. But yeah, this That's... just looks, it looks like just fun. Yeah. This is that, uh, this is that, uh, uh, blueberry bagel. Like, or, <laughs> yeah, this is like a, this is like a blueberry bagel was what this is. That's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm titling the episode D and D is an everything bagel. <laughs> all right. Go for it. Uh, all right. Well, with that, we want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yes, and uh, if you got any questions or anything, you know, feel free to email us. Oh, yeah. Email us, Discord. Yeah, me and Steve RPGs on Discord. Please come join our Discord. I love our Discord group. Yes. It's so fun to talk to those people. Yeah, yeah. Facebook, Twitter, all the links for all of this is in the show notes. Yeah. Having more people in the Discord is a good time. Yes. Um. And you never know what we'll put up on the Discord. You might get to play. If you want to play games with us, you might get the chance to. Yeah. Because we're always like, hey, uh, you know, who wants to try this? Or we're looking for a player here or there. We're doing something. Yeah, you might hear my harebrained character ideas that sometimes go somewhere, sometimes go nowhere. You might have an interesting conversation about Kickstarter. Yeah. It could be, like, look, it... Or you could hear Steve watch his way through the Clone Wars. Yes, yes, because, <laughs> you know, I decided I'm going to binge the entire Star Wars catalog. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> uh, Some of us just had to acquire that through years and years of life. <laughs> well, you know, I watched a lot of it for a long time, and then I kind of just stopped because life was busy, and I didn't, at the time, have any real, like, nerd friends to share it with and so i just didn't and then it's like you know what i really i really want to and okay to hell with it i'm going to yeah yeah it's not bad (laughs) (laughs) but all right well hey have a good one folks yes be kind to each other go play some rpgs Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash meandsteverpg. Thank you and be kind to each other. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.
Now recording. Yeah, now we're recording. <laughs> like we weren't before. Yeah, well, you know. Hey, you did the thing I do. Yep. 